host, Emily. I am glad you're here. We're still in season five talking about one of my all-time favorite topics, Jim Henson and his Muppets. So far, we've explored the company's first two theatrical films, the Muppet movie where Kermit and his Muppet friends head to Hollywood to make it big while avoiding capture by the evil Doc Hopper, and the great Muppet caper where the Muppet crew delves into journalism and detective work to stop a jewel thief. But today, today we're talking about my favorite Muppet movie outside of the Christmas season. Today we're talking about The Muppets Take Manhattan. This was one, I don't know if you, I grew up in a in a household that we didn't have cable for a long time. Um, and then we would have cable, but we wouldn't have like HBO. But they would have those free HBO weekends. And we would definitely be prepared for those weekends because we'd have VHS tapes ready to record some movies that we really wanted to have to watch always. And so there was one VHS tape in particular that had the never ending story. So we watched that a lot. And then immediately, cutting into after never ending story cut into the intro the hbo intro if you remember that i won't hum it for you um because i can't do it justice but it would immediately go into the muppets take manhattan so if you watched the never ending story it was kind of a given that we were going to sit there and watch the muppets take manhattan as well and this is one that we quote a lot in my house as well household as well so it's It is just one of my absolute favorites. I actually got to go to the Art Craft Theater, which is this amazing retro theater that is celebrating, actually, it's like 100th anniversary this year. Uh, But every time you go, it's in Franklin, Indiana, and every time you go, it's it's an experience that kind of, it's almost cult-like, to be honest, where you go and they have a pre-show and people yell things at, you know, the host who is there every weekend. But I got to see the Muppets take Manhattan and to hear people laughing in particular moments and to hear people get excited when Kermit the Frog came on the screen. It is a magical thing. If you've not been to Franklin to a movie at the Art Craft, I highly recommend it. What they have managed to do, the atmosphere they have created is magical for whatever movie you're going to see. So those ones that are near and dear to my heart, especially from childhood, are kind of my favorite ones to go see at the Art Craft, though. This is actually not my first time talking about the Muppets either. So for a while, I was doing a newsletter called Just Keep Swimming. It's on substack.substack.com. And I I did a whole episode issue thing uh, about the Muppets. And on there, I talk a lot. I, I also had outside of I'm always looking for creative endeavors to do, right? And this is the newest one. This is the one that I'm kind of in the middle of and I'm really enjoying doing right now. But I do have this dream of one day writing a book. And I had started a book and the book was all about kind of lessons learned from pop culture, from the movies. And I might go back to it again one day to keep writing. It's it's on my 2022 goals is to, to get back into the writing process of that. But uh, so I took... Some of my favorite things that I, I've learned, and all of them are not serious things, but from the Muppets. And so I thought I'd share a little bit about what I had put in that newsletter here on the podcast, too. So 
uh, from the Muppets Take Manhattan in particular, and I might share the other ones as we get to those movies at a later time, but I said dream big, even when it's scary. Taking that first step from college into the real real world can be tough. You'll be faced with life-changing decisions forced outside of your comfort zone and expected to fend for yourself. The friend group that you built in your dorms and apartments that became like family will all scatter across the country and start grown-up lives of their own, and you'll spend the next couple of years wondering what you're really supposed to be doing with your life. When you know what you want, go for it. Take that bus to New York City. Work at the quirky restaurant to pay the bills. Dress like a celebrity and carry a bunch of rats on your person into a restaurant to master the art of word of mouth marketing. Big dreams involve big risks. So put yourself out there, but maybe don't get hit by a car right before your dreams come true. If you haven't seen The Muppets Take Manhattan, all of that will makes sense here in just a few minutes as we get into the summary but uh it's i love that's one thing about pop culture that i absolutely love that even the worst movies and as i have kind of played around with ideas for how to shift gears a little with the book that i would like to write that is one thing i want to talk about is how sometimes the you can even find little nuggets of wisdom in the worst of movies. And it's all about storytelling. And I want the book to be about storytelling as well, because I've said it several times here on the podcast that I think story and those who tell it well, it's, it's a magic that um, I don't take for granted. And Jem Henson and the puppeteers are, they are, kind of the best at this that uh, that I've really seen and I was as I was watching the Muppets take Manhattan I really started to stare at Kermit which he's my favorite Muppet of all time so that makes sense but I I then started imagining because I never did as a a kid Kermit was a frog that was roaming around New York City that there that was it what he was in a puppet there was nobody directing his movements you know, speaking for him, that was just him. He was the character. He was the creation. But I started to imagine Jim Henson with his hand in Kermit, the way he moves his head, the way he moves his mouth, the way he can do like the the nervous or the disgruntled expressions on his face. All of that, all of that is storytelling and the way they do it so seamlessly and create emotion again in fabric characters to me is just absolutely astounding. So anyway, get off that little bubble there. (laughs) The Muppets Take Manhattan is the third theatrical film in the Muppet franchise. It came out in 1984 and was directed by Frank Oz. It was the first film directed solely by Oz, who had previously co-directed the Dark Crystal, which we'll get to soon, with Jim Henson. Not counting the Sesame Street film Follow That Bird, which we will also get to soon, it was the final Muppet film produced before the death of Jim Henson. So let's dive into our summary. Recent college graduates, the Muppets, have been entertaining their fellow students with the theatrical production they wrote and starred in called Manhattan Melodies. After bringing down the house, it is the most enthusiastic. The- theater crowd that I've ever seen. The crowd suggests, because there's like a Q&A at the end, that the band of creatures head to New York City to see if they can make it big on Broadway. And that's just what they do. That's the whole plot of this movie. Our Muppet pals in the big city trying to make a go of it. And it's not easy. They don't have a lot of money. So they're crashing in the lockers at the bus station in between the hustle of visiting producer after producer to see if they can sell their show via 
musical montage, which we'll talk a little bit about when we get to the song list at the end of our summary. So disappointed by the lack of interest and quickly running out of quarters to maintain their housing, they take a break at a local diner, Pete's Diner, where they meet the friendly owner, Pete, who just so happens to be the constable who, from Fiddler on the Roof, the the old friend of the main (laughs) gentleman, I've already forgotten his name, on Fiddler on the Roof. Who eventually comes to tell them that they need to get out of town? That's Pete. I, I just remember screaming that when I was watching Fiddler on the Roof for the first time during our musical season. Anyway, so Pete regales them with incomprehensible wisdom, uh, like people's is people's, and his daughter Jenny is there as well, an aspiring fashion designer. They also meet Rizzo the Rat and his family who are working in the diner, only in New York City. Are there rats working in a diner and that's okay? So it's decided that because the show hasn't been sold and they're having trouble, the the group is going to split up. The Muppets are going to split up. Everyone is going to go kind of do their own thing while Kermit stays in New York to keep working on the show, hoping that one day he'll be able to bring them all back. And he's not a frog without a plan. Part one of the plan. If you can't beat him, join him. So Kermit puts on a wig, dresses in his... I don't know what to call it, disco best, and starts visiting theater agencies pretending he's a fast-talking producer with a hot script. He's got a Baco Sacco script. I love your hair, don't ever change it. That, that, that is the line that we use a lot in my family. Unfortunately, this plan doesn't initiate the enthusiasm he's hoping for. A short scene before he jumps into part two of his plan, it's revealed that Miss Piggy didn't actually leave the city. She's got the hots for the frog understandably, as always, and is terrified he's going to be stepping out on her with Jenny, the aspiring fashion designer, and Pete's daughter. So she spies on him everywhere in the city. And she tends to make a lot of noise doing it, so there's a running gag that, oh, that's just the sound of New York, when in fact it's Piggy angry banging on things with either pipes she's pulled apart or blinds that she's having issues with. So On that particular day, though, after spying on him, Piggy has to run to a shift at her new job. She's attempting to sell perfume at a department store with her new friend, Joan Rivers. She's not playing Joan Rivers. I don't actually know if they give her character a name. Um, But Joan sees the pig is down. And after, after spying on Kermit and Ginny hugging in the park because Kermit was a little upset that the plan didn't go the way he wanted... They were just hugging. So Joan Rivers decides girl to girl that a makeover is needed. So she starts putting makeup all over Piggy. The makeover quickly dissolves into a fit of laughter that gets them both fired. (laughs) So it's Piggy's laugh, though, that sells the scene. It's a great both of them playing off together. And I believe which I'll just end up repeating myself later when we get to the interesting tidbits about the movie that um, there was some alcohol involved for both Joan Rivers and Frank Oz to loosen up and do the scene really well together. Frank Oz as Miss Piggy and the way he laughs and the way at one point she throws her head back up against the the counter behind her just cackling. Again, what they are able to do with these puppets and how lifelike they're able to make them and how... Well, they give them personalities. It's just absolutely fantastic. 
But then we're back at Pete's Diner. We get a nice little musical interlude by Rizzo and his rat friends called the Rat Scat, which we'll talk about. And then Kermit receives a letter from Scooter, who is working at a movie theater in Cleveland with the Swedish chef managing concessions. Oh, the poppycorn in 3D. Um, And Lou Zealand wreaking havoc with boomerang fish throwing during the 3D movie. So we hear from Scooter. We also hear from Fozzie, who's a uh, his job plans did not pan out, so now he's attempting to hibernate in Maine. And while he doesn't sleep as hoped, he does meet a nice lady bear that likes to cu- cuddle, uh, which makes him nervous, and I always kind of love that. And then we also get a note from Dr. Teeth. The band, the Electric Mayhem Band, is playing at, I'm going to call it like an Oktoberfest <laughs> in Pittsburgh, so it's like a German food dance hall. And... They're playing almost like polka music. You feel kind of... <laughs> they just look so sad. Especially Animal, who just can't rock out the way he wants to. On to part two of the plan. A whispering campaign. So Jenny gets Kermit a nice framed character of... Caricature? Caricature. There we go. Caricature of himself. And then Kermit dresses as an important producer that matches his picture and goes to this really famous hotspot and gets a reservation for a meal. That's where he smuggles in Rizzo and his rat friends under his coat. And the plan is while Kermit is sitting there looking all producer-like, he actually swaps out a picture of Liza Minnelli's caricature picture on the wall for his own so he's sitting directly underneath it trying to look as famous and uh kind of rich as possible the rats then shoot out under the tables and start talking loudly um with gossip about manhattan melodies like have you heard about the musical manhattan melodies and so then all of the people at the restaurant start to react to the conversations they think they're having except those conversations are from rats below them the restaurant is all abuzz with excitement, though. They're all looking at Kermit. It seems to be working. And then Liza Minnelli herself shows up and is upset that her picture has been taken down. Uh, and so she starts to ask for the, the host. And he, she's like, you know, what happened here? <laughs> and then the rats start to get hungry and start to get up on the tables and take the food. It quickly becomes a health violation with people screaming. Uh, and our Muppet friends get booted from the restaurant. Needless to say, part two is a bust as well. So Ginny and Kermit decide to go for a walk or a jog, I guess. <laughs> Kermit jogging is fun. In Central Park to kind of blow off steam. And that's where Kermit sees Piggy, who is again spying on him. And while she's spying on him, she gets mugged and ends up going on this great escapade because Piggy, of course, does not let the purse thief get away without a fight. She ends up nabbing a pair of roller skates from Gregory Hines, uh, goes just flying through the park, somehow manages to get on a hill above the thief who is pulling stuff out of her purse and launches herself off the hill onto him, tackling him. (laughs) During that moment is where we also get the other live action piggy where it's a real human in a piggy suit so it's another disturbing moment a police officer is immediately on hand to take the thief away i'm not sure that's a reality in central park i i've i i mean i've been a couple times to central park i guess but uh once you kind of get off the main thoroughfare i don't remember see a lot of police officers just kind of stationed places but It is a kid's movie, so it's probably good that there's a police officer there right away. And 
Kermit and Ginny come running up, and that's where Kermit kind of confronts Peggy, finds out she's been spying. Um, they, of course, make up quickly, though, and decide to go on a carriage ride together where we get a daydream sequence of the Muppet Babies when Piggy muses about what it would have been like if they had always kind of known each other and they had grown up together. And then the Muppets as babies, well, to be honest, there's just too much cuteness. They are so cute. Rolf plays quite the little ditty on his piano while baby Piggy, Kermit, Fozzie, Scooter, and Gonzo sing a song. We'll talk about that song in a little bit, uh, but it's, it is a great scene. And I guess it was kind of the introduction of the Muppet Babies. And after that scene, they then made the cartoon. And I remember watching the cartoon as a kid too. And I even had little toys that were the Muppet Baby cartoons. I remember Kermit being in a car that you could, you know, pull back and it'd go on its own. What are those? I don't know what those cars are called. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about, but uh, we get the Muppet Babies and it's wonderful. The next thing we know, Piggy has gotten a job as a waitress at Pete's. She's not great at being a waitress and she is not happy to have to be around Jenny all the time. She totally leaves a young Brooke Shields hanging with her order so that she can go meet up with Kermit to read a letter from Gonzo, who is in Michigan with Camilla participating in a skiing stunt show, I guess. They're going to on skis kind of launch themselves through a fiery ring and then somehow end up on a, like a recliner somewhere i don't know uh, only gonzo only gonzo and then we also get one from rolf who is working at a dog kennel which is weird that a dog is checking in other dogs that are being put in cages i have some feels about that but it is a great scene where he's checking in a dog that's owner appears to be very rich because he has a driver with him. And the way this man kind of goes on and on doing baby talk with his dog is hilarious as Ralph's just kind of sitting there. Going, what is up with this man? Anyway, so what we're learning from the letters is that the crew didn't go off to do bigger and better things. If Kermit kind of thinks that they're all happy, but we know watching the little scenarios, dream sequences, I don't, you know, clips of them in their locations that they are not as happy as they could be or that they were when they were all together. If Kermit could just sell the show, everyone would gladly come back. And that's when he reads the last letter in his stack of letters from a producer, Bernard Crawford, who's interested in talking to him about Manhattan Melodies. I mean, without skipping a beat, Kermit rushes over to the producer's office to chat. That's where he meets Ronnie, the son of the big producer, who used his dad's name to get Kermit into the office. Ronnie is also the the guy that Baby is supposed to be hanging out with at the resort in Dirty Dancing. So just a little tidbit there of that. Turns out Ronnie loved the Muppets pitch when they first came through the city trying to sell the show. And his father promised to help him one time to get a show off the ground so that he could maybe try to become a producer too. Dad's not too thrilled about singing animals and dancing chickens, but he's not one to go back on his promise. So he agrees to put the show on. Kermit is so excited. He runs out of the offices, finds a nearby payphone, calls the diner to share the big news. Then our dear, precious Kermit gets hit by a car and is rushed to the hospital. And you guessed it, as in all great dramatic movies, when there is an accident, our hero has amnesia. <sighs> so back at the diner, everyone is starting to get worried because Kermit 
hasn't returned. They don't know what happened to him. Then Ronnie shows up and I don't know how much time has passed. I'm assuming it's the same night. So Ronnie shows up to break even more bad news to the group that the show has to be ready in just two weeks. Again, if you are familiar with how things work on Broadway, would you please tell me if that's even a possibility? Like, how would you even get a theater prepped in two weeks? I don't know. But that is that is the the obstacle that has been thrown at our Muppets, this last obstacle. So Ronnie, Piggy, and Ginny kind of hit the streets looking for their star, looking for Kermit, while Pete, back at the diner, starts to write letters to the gang to get them back to New York. When Kermit, not Kermit, <laughs> is discharged from the hospital, so he has amnesia, the doctor encourages him to find a job and start a new life. It's a little disturbing how quickly she tells him his case is completely hopeless and doesn't even attempt to help him find anyone that might know or love him. I do understand that we're talking about a frog here, uh, but she does give him a snazzy suit to wear and Kermit, not Kermit, because he doesn't know who, he's, who he is, who is now going by Phil, wanders into an ad agency while looking for the employment offices. So he's, all right, she told me to get a job. I'm going to go get a job. Wanders into this ad office. There's three frogs he meets there and they desperately need his help when he comes up they are like trying to create an ad campaign for soap and they have all of these horrible slogans. But when he comes up with a short and quippy slogan for the campaign they're working on, they hire him immediately. Unbeknownst to Phil slash Kermit, the gang is back in New York. The theater is booked. The marquee is going up and everyone is looking for him. So on a lunch break, on the day before the show is set to open, so a couple weeks have gone by where our Kermit is actually Phil. Phil and his office buddies decide to get lunch and they're just happen to be by Pete's diner. So they go in surprise, surprise. They take a seat in a booth adjacent to the entire Muppet crew and Ronnie and Ginny who have come to terms with the fact that there, there's a potential they're going to have to cancel the show or it's going to have to go on without Kermit. And so they don't like either of those scenarios, but this is kind of where they're at. So they're all kind of sitting there quiet and depressed and upset. Uh, but Phil on the next table kind of starts to absentmindedly he's got some glasses of water in front of him and he picks up a spoon and he starts to tap on the glasses and he's absentmindedly playing the song to Manhattan Melodies the Together Again which is the first song which we'll talk about that kind of opens the movie they Fozzie starts to hum the song they kind of recognize the tune they're like wait a second they all look around the booth and there is Kermit sitting there um, and they just kind of, they go ecstatic and they end up kidnapping him actually in hopes of jogging his memory before the show. So they have him tied up at the theater, trying to knock some sense into him just in the nick of time after a rather aggressive encounter with Miss Piggy, Phil becomes Kermit just before, just moments before the curtain call. And then we're treated to one of the final scenes of Manhattan Melodies. I'm assuming it's the final, one of the final scenes that some more of the show has gone on because then it abruptly ends. This would be like the shortest Broadway production <laughs> ever if it was just these two scenes. But they, as a part of this, we get the song, Somebody's Getting Married, a scene where Kermit and Piggy are getting ready for their wedding as a part of the show. This is hands down 
my favorite Muppet sequence of all time. We have, so as they're singing, somebody's getting married and it kind of goes back and forth between the group of girl Muppets and Piggy with Piggy and the group of boy Muppets with Kermit. Um, we, we get the Swedish chef singing about the frog and Piggy wedding <laughs> before, and he's part of the cake and some of the cakes are singing and everything's spinning. And then you're in front of a church and the church doors open and the room is filled with Muppets from Sesame Street, from the Muppet show. They're singing penguins. And then we get Piggy and Kermit walking down the aisle together as they sing. Um, He'll make me happy. And the whole crowd gets involved in the best movie wedding ever. It's, they, they're swaying, everybody's singing together. But because Piggy is a psychopath, she has invited a real priest to the theatrical performance, and it has now become a real-life wedding, unbeknownst to Kermit. Kermit is hesitant. They're singing their vows. Kermit is hesitant at first, but he does eventually say, I do, and is now a husband. <laughs> Heartbreak. The guests, though, cheer, and the movie is a abruptly over and that's it that's why i think i it has to be i would assume towards the end of manhattan melodies i kind of wish they had created a whole theatrical you know production that was manhattan melodies that we could have seen it wouldn't necessarily have had to been the muppets but use the songs i don't know it would no it'd have to be the muppets so that is that is the story there's no villain which i really like um it's just really the muppets versus new york city and how they had a dream and they go after it and they come back together in the end. A few interesting tidbits about the movie. In an interview, Juliana Donald, who plays Jenny, recalled how filming of the jogging scene in the park was temporarily delayed by a camera problem. So this is after part two of Kermit's plan doesn't go well. In wide-eyed amazement, though, a little boy passing by approached and started talking to Kermit, oblivious to Jim Henson operating him. Despite the surrounding commotion of technicians trying to fix the camera issue, Jim started interacting with the boy. Moments later, Jim found himself doing an impromptu performance with Kermit for an entire group of children who had gathered around to watch Juliana. To watch. Juliana said it was so memorable to her because time just stopped. It was a wonderfully magical moment where you experience someone's true joy with their work. And I think that also the heart of the Muppets goes back to when they were created and how they were created. And they were created for kids' public television in a big way. I mean, there was a show before Sesame Street that Henson worked on, but then all of his Muppets kind of built the street of Sesame Street, you know, that they they have moved to that neighborhood. But it was all about teaching and bringing joy to kids and the fact that he would stop and he didn't even think about it, that he would just stop and perform for those kids as Kermit the Frog is one of the reasons I love them so very much. The portrait of Kermit in his producer's disguise has become a permanent fixture at the real Sardis. I think that's maybe how you say it. (laughs) Uh, The restaurant and can be seen in other movies set there, which is awesome. Again, it was the first appearance, appearance of the Muppet Babies characters, whose cartoon premiered two months after the film's release. After several less than satisfying takes of the scene between Joan Rivers and Miss Piggy, Director-slash-performer Frank Oz sent a stagehand to get him and Rivers two gin and tonics apiece. The two chatted and imbibed their drinks before filming one more take, which appears in the final scene. The first, the Muppets movie, in which the fourth wall is never broken. They, they don't break the fourth wall in this one. 
The scene where Kermit the Frog graduates from college was filmed at Vassar College in New York. Director Frank Oz wanted it shot in front of the most academic-looking building on the canvas, which turned out to be the dining hall. And finally, Uncle Traveling Matt from Fraggle Rock is in the audience in the chapel during the wedding scene. So they've got all kinds of Muppets involved there. I love it. So what did the movie get right? I, I think it goes back to kind of what I wrote in that newsletter, that the idea of dreaming and trying and failing and trying again, they get friendship and loyalty right. They get the songs right. The wedding scene is perfect. Um, it's just, it's one of my favorites. It's got the right kind of humor that doesn't really go over a kid's head, but it, and it's short. <laughs> it's a quick watch, uh, but you get to see all, especially with the letters too, you really get individual time with some of the Muppets that you hadn't yet in the movies, like Scooter. Or Gonzo seeing him go out and doing his skiing thing. So uh, just, it's a really good one. I really, really like it. And finally, for the songs, there are seven songs of note in this particular movie. And just like before, we'll go down to my number one at the end. But number seven, I'm going to give to You Can't Take No for an Answer. Not only do we get a great song with the Electric Mayhem Band, but we also get a great montage of our Muppet friends hitting the streets of New York, trying to get their show on Broadway. So a kind of a, a song with a good message, too, that no, you can't take no for an answer. You got to keep out there. Number six goes to Rat Scat, that scene where Rizzo and his rat friends are kind of dancing around. It's mostly an instrumental number, um, but it's a charming scene where we get to see the rats use the sounds of the kitchen to make a song, and you also get Rizzo scatting. It's just a lot of fun. Number five goes to I'm Gonna Always Love You by the Muppet Babies. It's just an upbeat song that's adorable because the babies are so cute but you get Rolf like I said playing the piano each of the Muppets sing a little bit as well so it's not centered specifically I mean Piggy is singing most of it but it everybody is singing along and it's just it's really cute number four goes to together again the opening title sequence to the movie complete with some enjoyable whistling and then Kermit singing before the entire crew emerges as they perform to the very enthusiastic college crowd it's just kind of an earworm of a song. Plus, in the scene, as they're singing, they all have matching outfits on that are kind of uh, geometric, but different colors. They look very snazzy. And then it almost they almost look like a barbershop quartet, I guess, a little bit. I love it. Number three goes to Somebody's Getting Married. It's the first peak we get of Manhattan Melodies on its opening night. And the way they've really crafted, because, okay, it's supposed to be a Broadway show, right? They've crafted a theatrical song. So it does sound like a song that could be sung on stage, which is fantastic. But then they also have these sets that they move on and off that look a lot like a theater set. And then they get the Swedish chef involved, which always makes me happy. I'm sure many a wedding party have played this as they get fancied for their own weddings. I do believe my older brother played it as he was getting ready for his wedding too. So uh, it's just one of my favorites. I love it. Number two goes to saying goodbye. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. The Muppets are really good at sad and melancholy. <laughs> There's so much emotion in the performances. And this song hits all of those emotions perfectly as the Muppets leave New York to kind of go off on their own. And they're saying goodbye to Kermit and each other. Uh, it's just, it's a really sweet and sad song. And number one 
goes to He'll Make Me Happy, my favorite Muppet song. My favorite Muppet song. I also made an, um, a cameo. The song did. I, for a while, I was doing National Novel Writing Month, which is an attempt to write 50,000-word novel in just 30 days in November. And I've finished four times. So hypothetically, you know, technically I've written four novels. But in one of the novels, it was about a young girl who's about to go off to college. It's kind of the last summer that she has with her friends. And she works at a drive-in movie theater and they show Muppets Take Manhattan. And like the world stops when this song comes on. And she actually then confesses to the boy that she likes that um, she likes him during that scene. So uh, it's it's a song near and dear to my heart. I absolutely love it. And so that's that's the number one. It'll be the number one on my list unless something spectacular comes along. But I do not see that happening anytime soon with the Muppets. So why is it worth the rewatch? Because it's fun. It's fun and you get to see... You get to see Kermit struggle a little more. I mean, you get a, a snippet of that in the Muppet movie when he realizes that he's not going to get the crew to Hollywood in time to make the auditions that they're going for. Um, but you you kind of, you get to see the sweetness and the compassion and the love that Kermit has for his Muppet friends in this one, which I think is special. And I think the performances of the puppeteers with those Muppets in this particular movie is absolutely fantastic it's worth the rewatch if you want to watch the never-ending story before and then just follow right into <laughs> take manhattan then you can experience what life was like for me as a child but that is it for today thank you so much for listening really it is so appreciated if you have the time it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture with someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about can join in on the fun as well or if you want to share the podcast that would be awesome too you can follow me on instagram and twitter at at gnome girl m and on facebook as a bit of fun with emily go have yourself a bit of fun today and i will see you next